Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us in our inaugural episode of Transient Planet Talks Books. This is Ada Transmitting, and we welcome you to our new journey into podcasting and our ship, The Star Jammer. So please sit back, relax, and ride the interstellar waves with us. Welcome aboard, Captain. I will begin enabling transmissions right away. We have hijacked the signal. The star jammer is transmitting at 100%. Broadcast countdown begins now. Warning. This podcast occasionally contains strong language, which may be unsuitable for children, and contain heavy topics which may be offensive to some listeners. This recording is intended for mature audiences only. Trigger warnings are placed in the description. Thank you for listening. Recording's up. All right. So today we're talking about ever-famous book, The Exorcist, written, written by William Peter Blatty. Is that right? That's right. No. <laughs> totally wrong. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Completely different guy. Totally. All right. Based off the, well, the movie was based off said book. Yeah, um, let's continue. What are you going to say? I was say, like, based off the movie. Yeah, I was, I was. Like, it's, oh, it, we're about to get so much hate. Oh, I know. I, I, <laughs> look, I confused myself, all right? Shut your face. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, so tonight at the table, we have myself, Leon. George. Crazy. James. Uh, like back in school. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> what are your favorite hobbies? Right, right. What are your favorite hobbies? <laughs> Welcome to the inaugural episode of Transient Planet Talks Books. Yeah. Where, where we will be talking about different kinds of books every month. Uh, we have roundtable discussion in terms of you know what we like, what we didn't like about said book. Um, we'll be talking about different subjects, topics, either can be heavy, not heavy. Um, so please listen at your own discretion. Also, preceding the warning that was played at the beginning. So, uh, where shall we begin? Our thoughts on it all right because i think we do have a difference of opinions on this book i know like this book like really pissed me off mm. all right there were some parts of it coming back all right, all right. so we'll, we'll start off with the uh, the topic of what the fuck was up with that um yeah. so let's begin with gracie what was the one thing that you did not like about said book go ahead how long it took for them to including the priest for him to be like, okay, so I think it is an exorcism. I think it is possession. I think we do need to do this. I'm like, you've got a hundred pages left to finish this exorcism <laughs> off. You are 358 pages long and you are just now saying it. And I think, and I, I appreciate the, <clears throat> okay, we need to make sure like everything like scientifically is yeah. like rolled out. Like I do appreciate that they didn't just jump into the exorcism or just be like, oh yeah, it's evil. And I think another point that kind of drove me crazy was the priest never found out that the Ouija board was the, like into play and that like he like no one ever really thought to tell him, mm -hmm. 
you know, and I think that that's like kind of what made me mad because I think like between like the Ouija board and even like tarot cards at some point open store. So we really need to be careful, but it just seemed to slip everybody's mind to let them know like, okay, but this is what they were also, like she was also playing with, you know, like it, it just kind of like, I don't know, like just certain things perturbed me. And like, even when the priest went in and again, I appreciate that even the priest was like, okay, but we need to make sure that this is what it is. But, you know, the mom had to have a meltdown for anyone to pay attention to her because yeah. she's like, something mm. is wrong with my child. And I have been to every doctor. She's been on every medication that we can think of. And she went in and she had to go find the priest herself. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like she, she, if it wasn't for her, you know, again, I think it comes back to like a mother's love. If it wasn't for her really fighting to figure out what was wrong with her, you know, it, Reagan probably would have ended up in, a, in, a, in an asylum. Like, yeah. you know, just misdiagnosed, you know, and I think... It, you know, and I know a lot like schizophrenia and like possession and even Alzheimer's and possession, like the beginnings, it's, it's it can be controversial because there's so much like similarities. Mm -hmm. And, and this know. is uh, mm -hmm. like where we fall into like the ideals of the church in mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. in the church, you know, back in the day, of course, uh, exorcisms were more prevalent due to the fact that, you know, you can distinguish mental illness from demonic possession, right. so on and so forth. And so over the years, priests have been taught to become therapist slash psychiatrist so they can distinguish between you know the maladies of the mind versus actual possession in some spiritual trainings and things like that they have you put in a you know you go in a pair one who is scientific and one who is purely theological mm -hmm. that way that one one is the neutral eye and the other is the spiritual eye so one is looking at through a clinical point of view and and this is where we can like stem off to the two films, uh, the Exorcism of Emily Rose and Dominion. They're two different. They're the same. It's the same film, but told two different ways. Absolutely. And so, uh, but that's a different topic for another time. George, what did you did not like about said book? He inhales a deep breath. <laughs> well, I guess is, is unless it's a different point, but I wanted to touch on this yeah. as yeah. well. Yeah. Like. Um, <clears throat> Like I kind of found that the thorough vet vetting of the scientific process to eliminate all of those things, I kind of found that really interesting to the point where, you know, you think religion, you think about Catholics, you automatically assume, yes, they're going to jump straight to the religious side of it, right? Mm -hmm. And I kind of appreciated that, did not make that sort of assumption. Yeah, for it, sure. It, it, yeah. yeah, I did appreciate I, that. I, I, I also agree, like, agree with that. Like, eliminate all possibilities. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it led to a found, it, it further found, like, uh, Cement. cemented it in kind of like our reality, right? Yeah. Because uh, if you, say, had a grandmother or something like that, who or, or well you know a daughter or something yeah like that, who had those sort of symptoms like you would go to the doctors right you wouldn't necessarily and they would start prescribing medication mm -hmm. and go through all of this thing mm -hmm. um so i i think uh where you know vladdy kind of um plays off of that or at least forces us to kind of 
jump to the fantastical is you know the unexplained events like mm. the telekinesis you know um and so that strength for move the, the cabinet yeah exactly uh, also yeah. killing killing uh burke burke Dennings. well <clears throat> yeah that that's um also part of that i guess but, but i mean like i i think mainly it was like telekinesis telepathy as well mm. you know and saying like yeah there, there has been accounts of these things uh, happening very high and they did talk about the telepathy being part of a teenager's uh, hormonal issues and things like that has an extreme heightened senses because your hormones are running so rampant you know yeah. they they assume that telepathy is part of said thing right and, and but they, they kind of cemented as yes there are documented yes yeah. so it's, mm-hmm. it's it's not necessarily yeah. from this it, it kind of you know it tries to sound scientific yeah but while still magical yeah. mm-hmm. I, I like the, the scientific part of the book but at the same time the way he wrote it kind of made me made it sound so he just covered from encyclopedia in a way <laughs> right. You got a little bit too too deep in the weeds. Too too deep in the weeds. And I, I was like, like I'm a, reading a book. I don't know. He's explaining the process, the the causes of like a mental uh, ailment. But at the same time, got too into it, mm-hmm. and it's like okay. So I'm reading like an encyclopedia again. A small little lecture on mental illness. Like, okay. So, would it be surprising to you to know that Vladdy was um, actually practicing to be a priest and his interest in exorcism was actually what spawned the creation of the book? Sorry, what James meant to say is he went to a Jesuit prep school known as Brooklyn Prep. And it just probably explains why he got so deep into it. Into the uh, psychological aspects, exactly. since, he was tra- aspect. since he was trained to become, well, he was trained to become a priest. Yeah. So yeah, that was surprising. I haven't done that much research on the author himself. And, and, and also, that, that like, uh, cool. a lot of a lot of said book was actually based off true events that happened to a different person. It and again to protect names and pers- you know persons involved, they they changed it to Reagan and. Yeah, Chris McNeil that, and stuff like the, that. The kid uh, got possessed. Yeah, and and um, things like that. That's why, like, I really like Father Karras because Father Karras, in said book, he was he was very much the straight man of the man of science, but at the same time, he did not close the door on the fantastic. Uh, like he 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 believed, but didn't believe all at the same right. time. Right. Well, mm, right. I can see that because he was a trained psychiatrist yeah so um and that's why he went more scientific was i think he went more scientific because in a way he was losing his own faith yes because of the loss of his mother mm-hmm. the, mother. the loss of his mother just really kind of that, that was almost yeah that the was pushing the, pushing the turning absolutely point. for yeah. him to be like he was already kind of on the precipice on, exactly prior. yeah exactly he'd been passed over on getting transferred, getting closer mm-hmm. to his mother, mm-hmm. um, that weighed heavily on him. Yeah. And also, probably just his 
not sure if he even believed yeah. anymore. Yeah, after hearing, after playing console to the priests <clears throat> and everything. So, uh, also another fun fact of like the the idea of like Karas, it's supposed to be, um, it, and of course we, we can actually touch upon uh, the different characters that come in the book. Of course, we have Father Karas, we have um, the the two house um, house well, servants, like uh, Carl yeah. and Willie. Carl and Willie, of uh, course. Also Shannon, oh, Shannon, Shannon, Shannon. Um, who? Oh, I thought it was Sharon. Sharon, Sharon, the governess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah, the au pair, yes. which, you know, from book to film, if we want to make actual dis uh, complete distinctions, in, in the film, Sharon just leaves. Like, after, yeah. once things start getting intense in said book... Um, yeah, oh yeah, she doesn't, like, she's gone. She's gone. Mm -hmm. But in the book, she sticks around a lot more, mm -hmm. so her character's a lot more fleshed out. Um, yeah. You know, because like Jim said, or James, um, she's the au pair. She, she helped raise Reagan. Same thing with Carl. Carl, major difference from book to film, is Carl had a daughter. Yeah. We don't even hear about in the film, but in, in the book, she's a junkie. Mm -hmm. And so, like, um, and, and the, the one thing that the book does a little bit better, I think, in terms of um, fleshing out the characters, is that the evil presence that is Pazuzu, or, you know, the devil... Because in, in the book, they never say it's Pazuzu. That's more film. But, you know, the evil presence extends further than the house itself. Because uh, there's a scene in the book where Father Karras is approached by a ginger or red-headed uh, priest who smokes Galois, who has a crutch. And, and of course, it, I think that was supposed to be a representation of Old Hob. Because in, in older mythology and things like that, Satan has always been described to have a club foot. He kind of walks with mm -hmm. a limp. So disguising himself as a priest, you know, that smoked Galois to try and push Father Karras away from said exorcism. Was, was that in like a dream or something? Yeah. I couldn't, mm -hmm. yeah, I couldn't it, it was, remember that part. You know? it, I want to say it was like real quick too. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a small scene in the book. Yeah. Uh, uh, Karras had been out drinking and so he went home to bed and so his friend let, let him sleep and then... He got a call to to the front desk that uh, I forgot the name of the father in in said uh, in that situation, but that he smoked Galois and uh, so he 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 just magically appears in in Father Karras's room after he showers, and so they start talking a bit. Right. And he takes a seat and he's he's smoking a cigarette. He's described as kind of grimy, yellow teeth, um, and things like that. But then at the end of the said scene, Karras wakes up and he's like. Did that really just happen? And as he, you know, he's walking to, you know, check his room in the, uh, in the ashtray that he has, there's a freshly smoked Galois. Mm -hmm. Well, I kind of remember that. It's real <laughs> yeah. quick. Because well, like, I remember not... a younger priest mm -hmm. who gave him cigarettes yeah. and said, you know, basically to the effect, like, he was a real talkative priest. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, he was... An a almost woman. annoying character. Right, like, Harris, like, almost, like, wanted, like, hey, you can go now. Yeah, like, yeah, he like, wanted you know. to, He was a lonely new priest who didn't fit in. Yeah. And eventually, Harris kind of and, blew and, up at him. 
-hmm. He's like, why are you even priests? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, you're like, what? He was basically yeah. like, okay, so what are you doing here? Yeah, he's like, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so like, um, that, see, I, but I don't remember the. But the it was real headed. quick. Yeah, it, 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 it was it, something that like it's like three pages. It's literally like three pages. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's it was a real quick scene, and he wasn't sure. He was like, what's that? Did I that think, really happen? Did I not think. really happen. And then he sees that in the ashtray and he's like, okay, maybe, you know, because he smoked too. Yeah. And But I he didn't know. smoke that particular brand of cigarettes. Exactly. Like, he was like, this isn't mine. Like, yeah. he knew, like, right away. He was like, that's and, not and, mine, though. And, and that's one thing that, like I said, that I think the, the book does a little bit better in, in terms of, like, showing that this presence is affecting everybody who's involved mm -hmm. with Reagan. Mm -hmm. So by, by doing that, you know, it, it gives that, that looming sense of, like, oh, no. You know, mm -hmm. everybody's in danger. And then we can shift to George's favorite character and Grace's favorite character, um, Detective Kinderman. <laughs> well, before that, it, I yeah. guess oh, yeah. George didn't finish his. I kind of jumped in. Oh, no, you're fine. Like, wow, shit, what was the second one? Uh, <laughs> He's like, hold on, we heard off. <laughs> like, I like the scientific aspect, but at the same time, I felt like he just dragged on too much on, mm -hmm. on it. And he just felt like I was just reading a medical book. Yeah. But in, in to kind of emphasize the same point is that by showing like that extensive amount of medical knowledge and things like that, what it, what a person has to go through just to discern, mm -hmm. you know, psychosis yeah. versus, you know, like possession, possession thinking the fantastical. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that really kind of helps grounded a lot more like like james said you know mm -hmm. in in our reality mm -hmm. because of course you know most most films and things like that immediately you like know, you know yeah yeah they're possessed and understand that he was just like in that process you need to eliminate every variable and and trying to go to the most obvious uh answer and okay gotta be this and okay this check out check out this doesn't does not and you keep chopping down the tree until you find the answer yeah and, and uh, if I remember correctly, I think the, the book takes place over a, a course of six to eight months. Yes. Mm -hmm. It takes a while. It takes a while. In, in the film, you don't see that passage of time. Mm, no, yeah. no, it's, it's almost like a week and then it's fine. You yeah. know what I mean? So mm. yeah, it, and I, I, I did appreciate the length because, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean no, it's fine. Because it's true, exorcisms aren't done in an hour or two. Mm. It's depending on how strong that, that attachment is. the attachment is and, or how vulnerable that person was and how deep it got, it, it can take months. It could I take believe months, it, it could take, take years. Months. It could, it could mm. just, they could, I, I feel like they could even relapse from it, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, um, but yeah, I just felt like it was, because even down to when Father Karras get like the first priest, obviously, like the older priest that goes in to do the actual exercise. Father yeah, mm. he's he died, and so it's down to Father Harris basically. Um, it was so fast. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was literally like a paragraph to where I had to go reread it, and I'm like, okay, I, I just would have liked a little bit more of the extensive, like the the spiritual battle, the spiritual battle on it mm -hmm. because it was a spiritual battle. You yeah. know, it, it definitely was, and I just felt like it was so fast. And I was like, okay, you just spent all this time. And again, I, I do appreciate the scientific scientific part of it, like just to make sure. But 
it just all happened so quick. Like toward the end, I just felt like it was rushed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you know, I was just like, oh, okay, and it's it's over. And then Detective Jennings, even at the end, he's like, I still want to tell you a story real quick. I know Reagan's upstairs, like, losing her shit. <laughs> but can I tell you a story? It's relevant, but I'm going to tell you a story. Detective so, Kinder, yeah, yeah, and I'm just like... <laughs> so we're, we're, we'll jump yeah. into the, yeah. Next, yeah. Quite, the next line of, mm-hmm. you know, favorite characters, non-favorite characters. Yeah. Uh, so, and I say jokingly that George and Gracie's favorite character is Detective Kinderman. Uh, who does play a pivotal, pivotal role in said book, uh, you know, because he is the everyman that doesn't understand what is exactly happening. He's looking from an out, uh, outside perspective, looking in. And being a police officer, he is, uh, he's just doing his job. So, uh, well, he was trying to solve, like, how he died. How how, how how the, the director Burke died mm-hmm. because they said oh he fell down the stairs, yes. But during the autopsy they said like he fell down the stairs, but he also his neck was broken when before he fell down the stairs. His his uh, neck was completely turned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they asked him, okay, so that could happen during the fall. And then the the doctor was like, well, maybe one in a million chance if he fell down and got two bars and just snapped. And just keep going down yeah. mm-hmm. because the I think the the undertaker slash mortician said himself that the neck was broken prior to the fall. Yes, mm-hmm. and that was what piqued uh, his interest. Like, okay, so he was dead before. Okay, so where where he died, and the closest explanation in that moment was the window, Reagan's window, mm-hmm. Reagan's window, and that's when he starts investigating. Okay, because uh, that prior to him going to the house, you know, to to question, which is form of questioning. <laughs> I hate, <laughs> but I respect. Mm. Yeah, he's, he's the affable detective playing off on Columbo. Yes. Persona, yes. And which I don't know if you've seen Columbo. Yes. I love Columbo. He's yeah. a very and he is. And yeah. Columbo is great, but I was yeah. just like, yeah. like his his process is very effective to put someone, uh, you know, have them relax. Okay, you're talking mm-hmm. like you're talking to a friend, and so and you're like, oh, so you did that, mm-hmm. and that's genius. But at the same time, like, when Paul was like, can you do this? You know, you what? Know, no, no, I can't bother you. Can quit this. But back and forth. Can you really do it? Like you know what? No, you're fine. I'm going. Like, but if you had a moment, yeah. And when I was reading that, I was like, God damn it! <laughs> Don't know too yeah. many Jewish people, do you, Jewish? <laughs> <laughs> We're in Texas. Yeah. And personally, I I loved uh, Detective Kinderman because. He was so affable, but at the same time, he was a, he was such a good sleuth about it. He was very, like, he saw the, the, the clay turtle and he picked it up and, you know, using his thumb, he, you know, he scraped off. Oh, absolutely. He was genius in what he was doing. He was able to find the match between the paint of the turtle and with the paint of the, uh, in the church Mm -hmm. where they defiled the, the The, the Virgin Mary Mary statue. And, And then like, and. His sus- his suspicion uh, or suspicion of Carl was actually 
pretty cool because, you know, they, they explain in the book that Carl had a past of anger management issues mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. Something that is not talked about in, right. in the film. You can kind of tell in the film that he's militaristic. Like, yeah. it's definitely, there was something, there was, yeah, but it, I do like, again, the books will always explain a little bit more. Mm-hmm. There was a little too much explained in some areas in this book, I feel, yes. but it was still, it was still well done because I did appreciate the research that he did and yeah. the knowledge that he did have. But again, I just, I feel like the actual exorcism was so quick that I missed it. Yeah. Mm. is my only, like, I literally had to go back. Reread it. And be like, okay, oh, okay. Now I see what happened. It yeah. was just so quick, you know? You know, I mean, thinking about it too where Vladdy was probably more proficient in is that research part, you know, the mm. part of assessing the information and that. Right. And yeah. Where he might have not been as comfortable is addressing the paranormal aspect, right? So, yeah. like, the actual exorcism itself, it's like, okay, how maybe he wasn't able to really suss out that conversation, like, to extend right. that scenario. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe, maybe he also wanted to just leave the interpretation ambiguous, right? Like, yeah, I think in pretty much every aspect, they do provide a counter for, you know, explaining it scientifically as paranormal. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe you want to steer away from the definitive exorcism by abruptly ending. I can see that. Yeah. Absolutely. I see where you're going with that. Yeah, absolutely. Like, okay, let's, let's, okay, we're done. You know, yeah. kind of thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah, and, then, like, and just, then, like, everybody's dead. Nobody's really determined the, yeah. the, the actual like, cause or reason for it. Yeah. Um, and then they kind of just, like, Hey, and just trying to mm-hmm. move along with our lives, you know? Yeah. And that's one thing, too, that I also like that Detective Kinderman himself understood the situation that, you know, Trust McNeil was in, especially uh, with what's happening with her daughter and stuff like that. Like, in, in the book, he even, like, quietly arrests Carl outside of the home. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, good... That was a good Yeah, scene. that was a good That scene. was a very good Because he just, like, boom, like... Yeah, oh, can you bring Carl real quick? Uh, it's just some real... Something some, quick. Some inconsequential questions I wanted to ask him mm. about that night. And then yeah. Carl comes out and just like, so you have the right to read Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like, starts reading was, that was actually very drawing for me. Mm. Because I was like, oh my God, this is so not your guy. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, and I, but I, he might have like sobered out. That's by the end. He was wrong. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, I, I think he was following the best leads that he could. That, that was because, like his only... And I get that assumption also. Uh, yeah, it was his only... Like, uh, Concrete evidence. Con- not concrete. Or circumstantial. More plausible lead. Yeah. yeah. Because in, yeah. I think in his head, he was still like, this little girl still cannot yeah. have done it. Like, how yeah. did snap a grown man's neck and but threw him out the window? Right. Mm-hmm. Because he wasn't thinking. And I, and I get it. He's a he's a detective, so mm-hmm. he wasn't he wasn't thinking. Yeah. Her, but but also, he's once if, hard if he would have, like, like, actually, like, arrested Reagan for it, but court will, uh, jury will be like, yeah, it was a little girl. I mean, yeah. he could have just as easily. Because, yeah. you know, he, he has medical evidence of her abnormal the strength. strength. Yeah. She was on multiple medications. She went to 
facility and everything. So I think uh, it's almost like a mercy that he said, you know, tried to lead Carl mm -hmm. into this, this questioning, right? And, and try to definitively rule him out as a suspect. Yeah. But, you know, because the alternative is pretty horrible, right? And mm -hmm. But I, I think Kinderman definitely has seen the horribleness yeah. of the yeah. world. Yeah, well, right? I mean, he's at the lieutenant of detectives. So, like, I think he, if he needed to, he could have, like, that was probably his next yeah. line, because he was at his end. Yeah, yeah. one thing, too, that I also really liked, too, is that Carl understood Detective Kinderman at that moment when he was reading the Miranda rights, and he's like, no, take me, take because yeah. he, because again, and we, we, we touched upon this briefly earlier, uh, that Carl has a junkie daughter, and he goes every week or so to leave her money without letting his wife Willie know. Well, like, the really, wife thought the really daughter was thought dead. the daughter yeah. was dead, yeah. and he just thought that was just... That was the best course of action. Yeah. Because it's, I, I mean, it, yeah. that's hard to see. That, that is very hard to I, see. I can only imagine, you know. Yeah, I, I found that kind of odd. Yeah, like, I... I understand why he did it, but I found it very uh, deceiving also. Yeah, and, and, and it's, it's, it, it was a great description of how he went from a tall, proud, like, militaristic-looking man, and then when he appeared, like, when Kinderman followed him to the daughter's apartment complex, and how he just fell apart. Like, you, you, like the description of Carl just from being tall and broad to, like, low and sunken, just as the dilapidated home just walking so tired up the stairs because he's done this so long it, it's it's eating him alive but he keeps such a strong front for you know for his wife for reagan for everybody and just hides that and, and i think that's where kinderman you know like he's just kind of like mm, you know i feel like kinderman almost got sentimental about it yeah he mm. was like oh okay mm. Yeah, this is not where. Yeah, this is not it. And you know. and of course, I mean, we we can touch upon like you know the different relationships between the different characters and things like that, and we can talk about that here in a bit. But but yeah, in in terms of like how Kinderman was the affable detective, but at the same time, how how I guess how much of a chess player he was trying to line up the pieces at the same time. Because of course he knew what Tress McNeil was going through. He he read all the documentation, like like James said. He he knew that she was in a facility. Uh, the daughter was on hun you know tons of different medications, tons of different mm -hmm. you know things happening. That he's just like you know. And, and again, we we it, it's more his. This is like his his uh, age of of work, you know, age of wisdom coming into play is like. She's already going through enough, and, and as we know in, in the book, Tress McNeil is an actress. So all that bad press already with the daughter, her taking time off, the death of Burke, uh, and everything happening, you know, her own personal career is starting to tank. Literally, and then she put down the directing job. She yeah. had to, you know, obviously, it was just... Yeah, it, it, it was a snowball effect, so just Kinderman in... And again, this is more just speculation on my part. Um, Kinderman just seeing all that, that she needed a small victory. So by, you know, figuring out, it was, you know, figuring that it was Carl, 
um, you know, we, we lead into a, you know, a whole different situation. I mean, the whole book could have turned differently in, in certain situations, but well, we'll be taking a quick little break. We'll be right back. All right, and we're back. So uh, in this section, we're going to be talking about, we're going to be hitting, hitting much more heavier themes, things like that. So if I will put a list of trigger warnings in the description, things like that. Again, if you're the faint of heart or, you know, some of these things do, you can choose to walk away or sit in. It is your choice. But here we go. That's a bit uh, of a warning. Yeah. Big old warning. It is, it's going to get a little heavy. It will yeah. get a little heavy. And, and keep in mind, as we continue doing our talking talking books, we will be touching heavier subjects and things like that, because this is more just our opinions and things that, you know, that is interpreted of said books. And maybe the author did intend it that way. Maybe he didn't. We don't know. This is more just the leanings of what the, the story was felt like it was dictating. Mm -hmm. So uh, one of the big topics that we're going to be talking about is abuse. And uh, we're going to talk about Burke. Uh, he is also a character in the book. Uh, he's the director of Tress McNeil's uh, movie that she's in. Uh, one thing that uh, we we know is that he does visit quite a bit to, to Tress McNeil's home things like that. When he gets drunk, he gets angry. Um, he becomes very combative, very verbally abusive, especially to the staff, namely Carl, calling him a Nazi. And even though the gentleman is Swedish, he said it multiple times, I am Swedish military or Swedish. Swiss. Swiss. Yeah. He's very Swiss. He's Swiss. Yeah. Uh, thank you for the correction. Mm -hmm. um, but in Burke's eye, you know, this, this guy is a Nazi through and through, which is um, there is a certain point where even Kinderman believes that because of how Burke treated uh, Carl in, in the book is that why Carl killed or supposedly Carl killed uh, Burke because uh, Carl has a history of anger, you know, anger and rage, things like that. So, but uh, to start off the point, uh, Gracie, you, Gracie and James had a pretty good little discussion off, off, uh, off recording, but we want to touch that again. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess you know, going into uh, what was his name? <laughs> Burke's Burke's personality is just entirely crass. Right? He's just yeah. Spouting vulgarities, talking about his time in Germany or something like mm -hmm. that, and how he was, you know, unable to find a hooker <laughs> in yeah. the streets, to making various sexual uh, comments uh, during the party, like with the astronaut, and things yeah. like that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, every, everything kind of about Burke is kind of sketchy. Um, well, I was just gonna say almost perverse, right? He's, yeah. He's foul. He's uh, uh, he has less than uh, friendship on his mind when he's, yeah. he's, mm -hmm. he's talking with uh, mm -hmm. Chris, um, which I don't believe that's reciprocated. I know. Mm -mm. Yeah, I don't. I didn't get about that. It was reciprocated. Yeah, he she. 
definitely liked Kirk having him around. Yeah, but she respected him as a director because in the book he's talked about it. He's been a great director. Yes, exactly. And and I mean a lot of that, you know, she said, oh, he's he can get on somebody's nerves or yell at somebody, but that's only when they do something wrong and like. But he's never or he drank. Never really. But he was like, I feel like he was drunk when he would be yeah. like that. Like yeah. he was always like, like not to excuse it. I'm not trying to justify like any of yeah. it, but uh, like, yeah. Yeah, because Chris McNeil did deflect a lot of his shortcomings, Burke's shortcomings. And, and I'm guessing, and this kind of kind of may lead into like the whole like Hollywood director kind of aspect of it where, um, you know, maybe Burke being such a, you know, talented quote unquote uh, director mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, Chris knows that her job is owed to him. So in, in that same sense, by So in a way, she allowed him to be that way. Yeah. Because he's a great director. With a great director and or, things like that. Like yeah. excused it in a way. Yeah. You know? like, which should yeah. never be an excuse. Right. To, uh, just because somebody does something great doesn't mean they cannot be an asshole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I think that that also plays in the Hollywood aspect. Right, because Burke yeah, was getting her gigs yeah. In, yeah. into a foyer of directing, right? So, yeah. and coaching her, I think he, they mentioned. Yeah, because uh, she was asking him about the directing job that she got offered, and be like, so what are you doing? Oh, he's like, oh you can do it's it. Easy. It's easy. Everybody does everything for you. You just show up. And yeah. Tell them yeah. To- there was also yeah. the assistant director who also got who who also had a bit of a temper. They they mentioned him like once or twice. Yeah. That that uh, Chris was interested in, but Burke did not like that. And 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 again, this is more like um, you know, and again, this falls back into the whole like ideology of like, you know, um, if somebody of higher power gives you your position, you owe them something. So in in that retrospect. Then we can start touching on like the the more questionable aspects of Burke, especially the perverseness of it. Um, and, and again, this is more speculation on all our parts uh, that Burke, uh, because of Reagan's shift of personality and things like that, especially in the in her possessed state, she did do a lot of like genital mutilation, yeah. uh, masturbation, yeah. things like that, and it was violent. It was yeah. very violent. Very violent. Yeah, I mean, I mean and, uh, get, getting into that, I guess, the yeah. aspect, you know, the, you know, I want to bring up, I guess, the uh, some some videos I saw by a YouTuber named Rob Aker um, at Collative Learning uh, YouTube channel. Uh, kind of touched on this point too, how a lot of interpretations people either feign ignorance or. Um, kind of don't want to address the issue of, of Reagan's possible uh, reasons for you know, this behavior, right? Yeah. I mean, obviously, the possession yeah. and then right. mental illness is right. addressed very thoroughly, mental, uh, medically it's, it's addressed, but there's there's also another aspect Rob Hager kind of touched on is this uh, sexual abuse uh, that Reagan could um, have been sexually abused by somebody, um, which, you know, she is a prepubescent girl, but mm-hmm. she is on also becoming a woman. That's a very transformative age. Also, men can take advantage of 
women or you know any aspect but right. yeah it, it can be uh, a very vulnerable time uh, an influential time so like uh having somebody uh or having that particular influence could have triggered some sort of mental episode mm -hmm. where yeah, she started exhibiting these these symptoms uh, so that's that's kind of one one place where um uh Bert might yeah. might have come to play you know, recently moved to the city for the movie but also Burke has more time and access, you know, to like to the home, especially yeah. to the home. You can to just the home. Walk in. He's, he's literally just walked in, and yeah. I think the most disturbing part was he was alone with Reagan, and I remember thinking, "Oh my God, they're 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 going to have a scene where he's, you know, that he had been molesting her. That's what he was fixing to do, and that's when I honestly thought, like, that's kind of where it was going." Yeah, because it's, I, it's I really odd. did. It's yeah. odd that it's, it's, that he was he the went, only person in, in there. In that. Had and I and I wish that this almost had more explanation because. But Sharon, 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 was, Sharon was there, and Sharon. I forgot why Sharon left though. She went to go pick up the medication. Medications yeah. and, and and Carl and Willie like it was like their night off. Their night yeah. out or yes. something. And, and Chris was with the doctors, kind of looking at the. Uh, the I think the diagnosis. The, the diagnosis, and I remember I was like. I just couldn't help but think, like, and I know her, like, we know now she was obviously possessed, so I'm sure she lured him up there somehow. But at the same time, I was like, did she lure him up there or did he go up there with ill intentions? And the flip out started because yeah. she was in her room. It was closed. He knew he had to have known what was going on, obviously. Yeah. And I, I, ugh, it, for me, I'm like. there, There is ah. a bit of. Explanation. I forget if it's in the book or the movie, but they when uh, Reagan is speaking as Burke, right? Because mm -hmm. Burke is one of the, the voices. Quotes, voices, voices that it's coming out that mm -hmm. is is portrayed by Reagan. Um, he goes over the night in question. He goes up to their room right? and provides kind of a narrative, a little bit mm -hmm. on what happened and why he there. he heard some sort of noise up there i believe um i can't re quite recall but you know she twisted my neck straight up in the ass that cunt of daughter of yours yeah yeah oh yeah. It, it, uh, he, he, he calls her sal sal yeah well yeah the, 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 yeah i think they call it a lot of <laughs> yeah 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 the, <laughs> I think the, 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 the demon calls line, like the sal's mine yeah 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 um so like the, but you know he, that's like an untrustworthy narrator as well. So like yeah. he, it right. could be, you know, that uh, Reagan herself repressed memories or something For like sure, that. for and, sure. And, you know, and hate, uh, not to cut in, or hate to cut in, but also like um, the talking upon abuse, um, maybe the father as well, because the, a lot in the film and book, the father is largely absent, but in the book, he's more portrayed of like an absentee father, that is always working, but in the book, when uh, Father Lancaster Marin asks about him, she's like, I will not call that monster to this house ever again. And so it kind of leads me to believe that something he did something, he did something in the past. And uh, Chris McNeil is just shielding Reagan from it. 
But at the same mm-hmm. time, we, we talk about like ignorance, feigning ignorance and things like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe she knows that Burke is doing, has an idea, a notion mm-hmm. that something is happening, but she can't, uh, she won't see it. Or won't bring herself to see it. Because yeah. that's also very hard, I'm sure, as a mom to, if that happened, I, I can see, you know, cause that would be very hard as a mom, like the guilt and I let him into the house and mm-hmm. How did I not see this? And yeah. how did I not pick up on this? And how, you know, there's a, I think, so absolutely, I feel like she, she could have been in a, in a bit of denial if that was the case. Yeah. Again, I think it's definitely like very open to like kind of interpretation. It, 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 interpretation. Yeah. It, you know, I just can't help but wonder because, especially like when she is possessed going into the mutilation of her vagina and, you know, violently like masturbating and then licking her fingers like there's one point where she licks her fingers after Mm -hmm. and the mom has to leave the room she's just and i I, absolutely like i can only imagine like not only is your like you can't like at the time like you're like i don't even know what's wrong with my child and then to see that it's like oh my god like it's just got to be just heart-wrenching yeah to see that yeah did you all pick up um Husbands, their ex-husbands, process divorce, but uh, his name Howard. Howard, Howard and Captain Howie. Howdy, yeah. <gasps> that I could did have been not make yeah. that connection. I did yeah. not. And even Chris, she was like, "Why well, call him Captain Howdy? Because of you know, your dad." She would talk about it. I don't know. I think he was military, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. No, I don't remember that. No, I don't okay. think but, they did address. Yeah, but yeah, yeah like he the, was, the he was imaginary just, friend, Pazuzu, uh, like called himself Captain Howdy, and she was like, "Why are you going to name?" Oh, he came with it. Okay, that's his name. Yeah, yeah. that's his name. Like that could have been. Uh, in one hand, that can be, uh, you know, asking for her father, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's the scientific side. Mm-hmm. Also, the. Uh, Fantastical side, that word that's what we're calling it. Could have been the demon, uh, Susu just like read her mind and, like, okay, because I can't get, uh, get my it, foot in the door. Yeah, get her his foot in the door. Like, my name is Captain Howdy, yeah. like your dad. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, the, uh, the, um, uh, the whole absentee father as well, he definitely needs I, or reached out mm-hmm. to have that sort of father here who abandoned her. Yeah. Right. So, I in um, a way she wanted, you know, to see more of her, like when she did a recording, you know, for her dad about, uh, was it for her birthday? For her birthday. Yes. Things like that. And, and Chris makes, makes it a point effort to never give her anything that the father sends because the father doesn't send anything at all to begin with, but at a certain point, she, I, I, I don't know if this was film or, or book. I, I don't remember, but there is like a letter addressed to her from from the father, or like they call the father and he's just like, why, why are you calling me? Mm-hmm. It was on her birthday. On her birthday, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, she tried to call the father because you know it was her birthday. And yeah, he didn't call. She wanted. You know. Yeah, she. You know. Yeah. And he he called like the next day or two days later. He's mm-hmm. like, sorry, I was on a yacht. Yeah. Whoever the. Yeah, yeah. Captain, those, captain. yeah, yeah, could, could be that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
That's true. Or you know, and or his Captain Howdy. <laughs> yeah. Is that a euphemism? Yeah, euphemism. Yeah, yeah. 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 a little strut. <laughs> yeah, and, and again, th this could be like a you know, because when you repress a memory and things like that, you know, the way it um, manifests itself is very different person to person. So maybe, again, in talking like George said, the, the demon read the mind, Captain Howdy. Maybe that's how the father addressed himself as to Reagan. You know, if there was abuse or anything mm -hmm. like, I'm Captain Howdy, this is just a game. You know, because of course, you know, it, predators, things like that, you know, will try to make their, sometimes will try to make their victim comfortable or, especially if it's somebody they know. And, and then- Oh yeah, like they'll definitely try to bring down the walls of defense and try yeah. to, you know, just- yeah, and, and I think that's where like we fall with Burke is that since he's been such a close friend to the family, you know, Reagan has no reason to mistrust him. Mm -hmm. and, and and again, this absolutely. Is, it's almost like an automatic trust. Like oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's mom's best friend. Yeah. Right. I'm. I'm just. I, I guess you know. I'm not sure if that's path that Laddie wanted. To, yeah. To really explore, mm -hmm. you know. I think he was firmly in the whole oh exorcism and science behind it. It's yeah, pretty yeah, cool. Yeah. I don't think he was actually going for uh, the. Use that aspect. No, simply yeah, because no, no. right. I think there would have been more setup for it, you know. Like yeah, true. Right? And then also, I, I like maybe they would have showed Burke or having all like maybe like going in the like, room. Burke, yeah. Why are you here? Yeah, like some. You always come without yeah. notice or something. But like, and then I think mainly the, the main reason Burke was alone in the house with the daughter was they no witnesses, right? Um, and then also to, uh, it, it is kind of like a slow reveal, right? You're you're stuck in this mm. moment where Chris, no anybody is not aware of what happened outside, right? She walks into this peaceful moment where everybody seems to be okay, and the house is silent, and Reagan's alone in her room. The door is open. Okay, let me just close the door, and then she yeah. kind of walks around, mm. and she's stuck in this. You know, looking back, it's rather horrifying where you walk into a, a, your home and murder just occurred here, mm -hmm. but everything is perfectly fine. Everything you, outside it, like is she literally fine. had like no idea, like that, literally like right outside the stairwell. Yes, that's it's, it's very creepy. Absolutely, yeah. and and uh, you know you, the slow mm -hmm. reveal into who was in the house. So like, where is Burke? He said he was coming. And stuff like that. And, yeah, and it just the slow reveal that. I think Reagan just killed some dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And, well, and there's a quick scene too, and it's kind of like, kind of, I mean, like, touching on that. There's a scene too where I don't know if she is it like it's a remembrance or if she physically, like, if she's like in the moment of doing it, but as she closes the window, she realizes it's like unlocked. Yeah. And that's like, why are the windows yeah, open? Why are the windows open? Yeah. And I was. Yeah. When, she, when, yeah. when, she, back home. when she went when she goes back home i can't remember if it's like an afterthought or if it was like in the moment where she was like yeah yeah no and and that that is like a poignant like moment in in that mm -hmm. in that scene mm -hmm. where she's like why is the window open but at the same time she's like well burke was here you know or burke was supposed to be here mm -hmm. and and she says it i think she says it in the in the book that oh maybe it was too warm in here so 
open the window. Mm-hmm. But again, no no thought no thought process of like a murder just happened. No, like just, she that was not no yeah. not in anyone's mind. Because by the time she gets there, Sharon shows up like a page or two later, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Oh, well, Burke was here," and she's right. like, "Oh, Burke." And, and and again, it's 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 innocuous enough where like, oh yeah, I mean he's a friend of the family, things like that. Burke was here, Burke watch, but I I think there was a moment of hesitation where she's like, why did he leave though? Why did he leave the door? Yeah, yeah. Burke what did he o- come by for? I remember that really stuck with her. She was like, well, but again, I think it was so dismissive because he, it's Burke, it's Burke, mm-hmm. and I think she was also kind of just put off by the idea. Of Burke being alone with her dog, yeah, not maybe not in a even a sexual deviancy mm. sort of way, right? He's just like, Burke. I wouldn't want that dude, yeah, uh, my kid, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, he's exactly. a drunk who like, fucking who talks about prostitutes, like yeah. fucking prostitutes and shit. <laughs> so like, just having that sort of character around my daughter who's already exhibiting some weird behavior, exactly. It's like, yeah, it's like I don't really think these two. Conflicting yeah, like, really that's not a good idea to combine. Yeah, I don't really trust. You know, <laughs> yeah, I, that, that was like the that was definitely like the initial feeling I got from Burke is like even though I feel like Chris had her love hate moments with him. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just I was like I don't like you. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know. I that was my first and and maybe in you know he's a director and he's you know kind of. Yeah, yeah. And I asked like that, but I there was just something about it. I was like, I don't like you. Yeah, and it's kind of like, um, and, and it's also kind of very interesting the 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 tonal shift between like Burke and then like the appearance of Lancaster Merrick. Like Burke, we we know he's like a tour de force. He is you know very perverse, very everything. But then when Lancaster Merrick appears, everything becomes serene, calm, like it, the quiet before the storm. Mm-hmm. And like it's even stated in the book that like even Chris is like. You know, she feels at peace in front mm-hmm. of Lancaster Marin. Because mm-hmm. she doesn't feel that way, like, around um, Father Karras. Because, you know, it's stated in the book early on that, like, Father Karras is like a like a fighting pit bull. You know, he, he's just always on edge. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, like mm-hmm. he, he's got his teeth out all the time, even though he presents the illusion of calm. Because mm-hmm. uh, even Father Kinderman says it at one point. He's like, you look like a boxer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he was a boxer. And he, he was, yeah, a boxer. he was actually like the running and the boxing. Like, he, yeah, he and, and I think in the movie, like we said, a picture of him. Yeah, yeah, like actually so. boxing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, this is more like you know we we can see the tonal shift of characters, like, and you know we can touch upon that too, like you know Lancaster Marin. Um, he only appears in the book at the very very beginning of the book, and then towards mm-hmm. the end, and if. If you've seen the film franchise, of course, you, they they expand they expand on him a little bit more. But in the book, they don't. Uh, Father Marin uh, is he he has an inclination that his death is coming because he doesn't see the demon, you know, Pazuzu again. In the film, he's given the name Pazuzu, but in the in the book, there is no name. I thought there was a name of the demon in the book because there wasn't. There wasn't because I remember them just assuming like Pazuzu and then he was like on the for me there's a moment where um If I remember correctly, Pazuzu there, they is, keep saying that we are several. Yeah. There was more than it one. Was we were, yeah. Well and real quick, 
I didn't realize that there was a sequel to the Exorcist book called Legion. Yes. I did not know that. And so I'll probably read that. It'll probably make me upset again, but yeah. that's okay. I'm still going to read it probably. Because uh, they only talk about Pazuzu in the beginning when Father Marin is in the Middle East and they find the idol of Pazuzu. Yes. And, but, you know. But. Chicken butts? Go chicken on. butts. <laughs> Here's like uh, I kind of want to ask y'all. Mm-hmm. Do y'all feel that this book was always going to be about the demon and Feather Marin or Ancarius or was it the whole possession? Honestly, I think it was more about the, I think it was more about Marin because Marin knew, because he, he, in the beginning, he states it that he feels his death is coming mm. and finding the idol of Pazuzu kind of cements that idea in his head. Mm. And, because we, we do hear, like, in the beginning, he, he's taking his medicine tablets. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he knows he has a higher purpose coming towards him. Yeah. And and things like that. I think, well, like, the whole book was about them, too. Yeah. Pazuzu and Fermarin. Well, uh, the demon. Well, I, I want to say Pazuzu throughout the whole movie, because Pazuzu is one of the demons about the northern wind. Yes. Uh, this spent this span better in, in the movie because we can see it also. I think we talk about it in the book. In the beginning, there was a gust of wind going through the house. Mm-hmm. So Pazuzu being a demon of the northern winds, that's him going to the house, telling the witch warla, oh, perfect opportunity. And through the stories, we see like demons can see into the future. Yeah. So he could predict, uh, seeing that Maribu was going to be there. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. him and even in the beginning, when he sees the totem, he, there's conflict all around him. Yeah, there's the dogs fighting uh, right next to him, and there's in the area also the the guards uh, almost shoot at him. Yeah. So, I think from the beginning the demon had it like out for like almost out for him. Yeah. Man. Well, he had, he had also stated. He fought him before. Yes, because yeah. Father Marin did an exorcism before. But and he was very experienced with exorcism, mm-hmm. so I'm sure, like, no telling. Well, I, I think that was just that fight with the demon. It's the same one, essentially. It's alluded mm-hmm. to that it's the same yeah, demon same because demon. they mentioned, like, oh, you're on your last legs or something. Marin, yeah, or something yeah. Like I, I mean, he Marin. called for Marin this time. when they did the recording yeah. of the demon and here's a language, you're like, oh, what language? That? No, that's English, but backwards. Yeah. And it goes out for Marin. Yeah. So I think from the beginning, he wanted Marin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think, it, I think again, we, we can touch upon this, the whole Legion aspect. So Legion in biblical terms is multitudes of demon in one person. Right. And so I, I think Reagan... Did ex- did have more than one demon, but mm-hmm. the chief principal personality would have been Pazuzu, right. or the the one that wanted Marin. Because, and again, uh, we we go into this in you know not to belabor a point, but I think we assume it's Pazuzu, mm-hmm. but it's just the demon that Father Marin fought at one point, and is just because again you know demons are liars. They you know absolutely and manipulators, so, liars, like etc. Absolutely. Uh, so maybe pretending to be Pazuzu. For, for all we know, the one that was inside uh, Reagan was just a liar, pretending to be Pazuzu. Mm. But, you know, Pazuzu had already been, you know, uh, 
exercise previously. And so the one that is in Reagan Legion is just using, trying to claw its way back into the realm to finish the job that Pazuzu left. Mm. And, and that's more speculation on me. Well, I mean, Marin did say, you know, what did Harris said that I, so far I've detected like three or four unique personalities. Yeah. yeah. He's one. like, there's only one. He's like, no, but. Did you read the, you know, that? Yeah. Do you know like, about these other like, ones? Hold like, on, like, no, there's the only one. <laughs> and, um... You lie. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, so... Yeah, and I think it wasn't until Wolfgang Marin, uh, because in... Because he asked for the exorcism mm -hmm. to the church, and it's like, I'm just doing it to confirm something. It was there, he, in the... Because he never really believed she was possessed. Yeah, that's what that's why he asked for exorcism to make her believe she was being exorcised, so she because he thought, oh, she read this book, mm -hmm. uh, she thinks she's possessed, so I'm gonna do the exorcism to exorcise her and make her feel better. Yeah, and they said, okay, we'll get Father Marin. And in a way, him, him like, why not me? Like, oh yeah, he definitely had that yeah. feeling of like, why, why not me? I mean, yeah, he's. Yeah. There is a bit of pridefulness in yes. Karis. Um, I mean, ambition is one thing. He, you know, well-educated Harvard man. Mm -hmm. um, and kind of grew up in the slums and worked his way up to this honorable, prestigious position. But, you know, he is a little vain. I mean, even mm -hmm. when he's talking to Chris, you know, he gets kind of... He almost feels like uppity, like, yeah, like... He's, he gets a little chuffed when, yeah. when she comes to him for help. And he's like, oh, God, well, I'm, you know, like, Harvard-educated. Yeah. 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 Like, oh, sorry. Well, no, just touching on that, like, I remember when that's when Chris McNeil has a complete meltdown. Mm -hmm. Like, she's so frustrated, you know, and she's like, I've been to the fucking doctors, like, why won't anybody help me? Like, and again, like, she sought him out, like, she just was at her wit's end, yeah. you know, so. But I think one reason he was kind of like that is because he knew, again, not to justify it, because again, I think he was a little too much sometimes. Um, he knew that they, like, she was very open about being atheist, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? So he was just like, how did that happen with, you know, that? Yeah, he's, he's a natural skeptic. Skeptic, yeah. yeah. And, and, and so we, we can actually touch upon that. Uh, let's take a quick little break. Sure. We'll come right back. All right, so we're approaching the, the end of the segments. We're going into final thoughts. Um, and again, we, we were talking about this a little bit off uh, off recording, uh, especially in terms of uh, personalities and things like that. Uh, we were talking about uh, Father Karras and, you know, being- Having a chip on the controller because uh, they, for the exorcism, they're like, we're gonna have Adam Marin to do it. And it's like, what? Not me. Yeah. It did bother him. Yeah, it, yeah, bothered, him, it like, bothered him. And I think, because yeah, even then he believed she was possessed. Yeah. But it wasn't until Father Marin got into the house and uh, he got in and he's like, hmm. Like, 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 you're a priest, right? And I'm like, okay, I need to get me this, 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 and this. And like, I'm like, what? I'm like, just go get it. I'm like, okay. Yeah, he, he was a little upset that he yeah. became an errand boy for yeah, Father Marin. But also, at party when he remembers, like, when he hears the name Marin, it's like, that recording? 
Mm. It's yeah. like, why will she know? Hmm. Okay, that's odd, but yeah. I still didn't believe. And it wasn't until he, Spider-Man started the exorcism, and he saw the activity. We, that we see the caused. more fantastical, you especially know. the bed lifting up, and he's like, oh, so I was wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he could also be thinking of the telekinesis. Yeah. He, he seemed to put that in the realm of reality, right? Yeah, he, he did he did, uh, he did did try to drive that home, that, like, the telekinetic portion of it could just be the hormonal aspects of being a teenager and things like that, and especially because, you know, they're, like we mentioned earlier, you know, the, the doctors and people like that did try to submit that there are documented cases of Heightened emotion, things like that, mm. cause telekinesis. There's, there's also the, uh, uh, you know, the telepathy yeah. where, you know, he's speaking fluent, but only because Father Karras is thinking of responses, right? Mm. And um, he's able to respond like in the cross examination, mm -hmm. essentially. Yeah. But that also, you know, uh, Father Mirren. I believe was actually brought up by a priest who was attending the party the astro yes so there yes. is a chance also that that could be explained so that maybe that you know he was coming back recently and that was on this person's mind and then but he also knew that Marin had conducted an exorcism, an exorcism before. yeah because because Marin was like the the untold legend, or, you know, in the Catholic Church, and in, in in this kind of scenario, he was like the untold legend. He did an exorcism. It he failed, but you know, at the same time, like he saved the person and things like that. But like, mm -hmm. and, and it was kind of like a closely guarded secret that Father Marin had failed that exorcism. Mm -hmm. But but everybody knows that. Well, I guess to the layman, the layman priests who just have heard of Marin, that like he performed an exorcism that lasted a long, long time. But they they didn't know that he failed. The only people that knew that he failed were like the, I think it was the deacon and bishop and like the higher ups of the church. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, you know, it's Father Baron, you know, he's done this before. If he, if he fails, I mean, he's he's an older gent, you know, we can just kind of sweep it under the rug. Yeah, kind of like, we're going to kind of, you know, be quiet about this one because... Yeah, it's it's not even really established that they even believe it. Because yeah. Harris yeah. also comes with the contradiction of, you know, I splashed tap water. Yeah. Yes. And she reacted, which this isn't holy water, right? So this couldn't be really an exorcism. So, I mean, is it fair? To, I'm not sure if it's fair to say that the priests, the church itself, didn't necessarily believe she was possessed, but was actually trying to do this shock therapy sort of thing where she... I think he was trying to uh, prove that she was just making up all of her mind. Yeah. Well, I'm saying in order to quote-unquote cure her, yeah. you know, that extreme uh, therapy where you play into the... The, the delusions. The, the of delusions the... And, and actually perform the exorcism. Yeah, then just consequently results in her being cured of it. And and, and actually, that's that's mm, a I, very yeah. good point that's talked upon in the exorcism of the Rose. The the priest says it on the stand that you know, in more third world countries and things like that, exorcisms are still very a very active 
process that does happen quite a bit and things like that because it is a and again like you said james a um a shock therapy it, it's kind of a in, in computer terms it's just a hard reboot to the to the physical system that is the person because you you do such a heavy shock that they believe that they've been exercised so it snaps them out of that um ideology that they were possessed and things like that so i think that's where father Karras was trying to lean into because in in the book um a medium appears and you know supposedly she she left her book there for the neighbor the neighbor uh they, they leave she leaves the book so that way mm. you know talking because about, they were talking about the black mass during the party exactly because mm -hmm. of the, what happened at the church yeah and uh and so um which kind of leads uh chris down the path of like maybe and, and even the doc like it kind of she starts thinking more um clinically than you know spiritually that maybe by reading the book and things like that it um that's why uh reagan is exhibiting these things because by reading the book and then the psychosis kind of selling in mm -hmm. the that book is so fresh in the child's mind that you know the she that reagan believes she is possessed when she's not it's just the actual psychosis manifesting itself through what the last thing she read because wow. even then they were trying to figure out if she read the book yeah yeah because they they keep finding the book in random locations in the house yes well no well, willie's found it on yeah, the bedroom he found it in the bedroom and then he stuck it like in the library and it just kind of stayed there yeah but even the mother was was Willing? I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Willing. Sorry. <laughs> she. I'm sorry. Yes, she. It's such a male name. <laughs> I know. It's such Even a male I name. Even like, like, I was like, I kept having to remember. I'm like, no, wait, this is a female. All I'm I can think of is, is the whale. Yeah. yeah. Willie. Uh, nice. yeah. yeah. Willie the whale was female too. But, I don't know. I don't, all I remember is the guy is it was Michael Jackson <laughs> <laughs> from the um, song. Okay. But um, that's a different point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, where was I going? Well, I was I was going to oh, say yeah. that. Um, you know, when the book is first introduced, the, the, the neighbor or, yeah. you know... Basically. Reagan was already well, changing. No, she wasn't. She... I think it was... It was... Was it after the party? It was after the party, yeah. Okay. Yeah, after the party, because it prompted the neighbor to bring the book after she came downstairs and, and peed and, and said, y'all are all going to die up there. Yeah. It was... The neighbor automatically picked up... Uh, oh, this is a spiritual battle. Yeah. And that's when she dropped the book off. Mm -hmm. And then it just. Yeah. But yeah. I, it will, it, you know, I will say that it, her behavior escalated pretty fast after the book. I see what you're saying. Quote unquote disappeared, right? So, like, Chris got the book. She said, here, Sh Shannon or Sharon, yeah. read it, you know, for me. Tell me, tell me, give me a clip. And, you know, it goes on like nobody read the book and she left it there. And then it wasn't discovered again. So, you know, I'm implying that I'm Reagan came down. Because before, uh, the, the Willie found it in her room, right? Under room. the bed. Um, yeah, and they thought, oh, she read it. Yeah. Yes. So that's, that is where the, you know, subconscious suggestion. Yeah. Where she mm -hmm. read this and, you know, she's already playing into maybe not even uh, consciously or, or you know. Yeah, on a conscious malicious, level. It's the malicious mm -hmm. intent to deceive people. She's just happened to read it, um, or uh, and and then start to exhibit those symptoms that are book. Right? Yeah, um, which 
Oh my gosh. You know, I think Chris and then also Harris. Yeah. You know, heard that. It's just like, it's like another. Yeah, it just it, it kept yeah. on. And, and and another big uh, yeah. point of it too is that uh, Sharon was religious. The 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 old pair. She was mm-hmm. religious and. Yeah, I feel like she was more like spiritualist, um, spiritualist yes, yes. in a sense. Yeah, you know? but she did talk to Reagan about you know, God. Spi- well, God. even then, he was to the shortest sense of the word. Yeah, yeah, and, and but in that same sense too, like Chris, like blatantly flips out on Sharon because, like, why did you, you know, talk to my daughter about, about God? God? Especially, especially but, with but what's one going. One part here. is like talking to about God, and then like, uh, like talk about God, and like, okay, so there's also the devil yeah but and and that's and again that kind of falls into that like whole like sharon didn't really touch upon the devil she's just like oh you know this is god this, yeah. yeah she didn't push the belief mm-hmm. she's just like oh this is just a conversation piece because she pushed the idea yeah because reagan did ask mm-hmm. you know because of course since chris is um uh uh atheist you know god isn't mentioned at home and then especially the whole idea of, like you know we see the priests mm-hmm. a lot of priests come to her home that's one big thing in the book too. Like, we have multiple priests who appear. <laughs> uh, we yeah. have the 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 annoying priest, the happy priest, Karis, Marin, you know. So, and we have that one priest who's like, maybe you can add me into a movie because I can yeah. play the piano, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 That's the deacon. Isn't it? No, it was. Uh, it, he it, was the one from the party. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, I think Dean? he. Was, is yeah, Dean? Dean or something like that, yeah. It was something along those lines. But he's the one who also brought up Marin at one oh, point. Oh, okay. Because he was right. the... Right. Oh, because he was the university, it was Georgetown University, was it? Yeah, Georgetown University, and he's the one who actually, like... He was, like, the dean. He was the dean, and he also kind of, like... Um, he's the one who, who introduced, like, introduced Karis. Because Karis was the one who came with him at one point mm-hmm. to the party, and he's like, ah, this is not for me. You know, but then that's where, like, the whole pee scene happened, and... Um, Karis was more of like a background character, like he didn't really like. I don't think Karis. Well, Karis was in one of the parties. No, I no, I don't no. remember him being in a party. No, Karis, or was he part of the 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 film? No, he was he was a background character in the, or watching the film. He was passing by because they were filming near gotcha. where his office. Mm-hmm. Like, so it, like, like it, he just kind of sees it in passing. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, Chris saw him and, you know, found it odd that the, there was a Jesuit priest yeah. mm-hmm. in the area. And then she also saw him forlorn attitude and contemplative in the background, kind yeah. of in the shadows. But, like, um, I don't think anybody... That's kind of, like, a big question that Paris raises is, like, how did? why are you here? Like, why are you talking to me? Like, I'm essentially, like, a, psycho, a psychologist for... Mm. Priests, you yeah. Know, like, no, she found the other guy annoying too. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, I guess going back to that whole book, yeah, yeah, the black mass in there. Just... Yeah, because mm-hmm. that, that's one thing that does happen in the book is the whole black mass thing, and oh, yeah, and, and again, pretty bad detail. Yeah, yeah, like some of the details, oh. I was like. No, yes. they, they talk about the the orgies and things like that and then it's also like that stuff is talked around near reagan mm-hmm. and so was you know, it no, no. I, I think it's just mentioned oh it's oh. just mentioned. Yeah, it was mentioned because uh 
Karis read the book too at the end. There's no because he was okay. He found the chapter in Exodus and like found the signs. Mm -hmm. Like okay, so she exhibits these signs too. So she maybe read the book and she's acting out on those points on the book. Mm -hmm. um, but that's about that part. Like he knew about the book, but he but he knew he speculated that Reagan read the book. That's why he was like, yeah. I'll try the exorcism because if she believes she's possessed, maybe she'll believe the exorcism. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, and again, we, we go fall back into that shock therapy of like resetting the person. Almost like this. Yeah. Yeah. Very sure. And uh, any other closing thoughts, ideas, or like. I'll, I want to hear your opinions on this. Like, we talked about how in the beginning, the. Hasusu and Fermarin uh, got reintroduced like to fight. fight. And the demon knew the moment like Marin stepped into the house. But do y'all think was his target Marin or Karis? Oh, I still think I feel it was Marin. I, I, I can't help but feel like it was Marin, especially from the beginning. And there's even a scene when Marin is walking the grounds and he gets the letter and he already knows what's in. He already yeah. had the premonition of what in of what he was being invited to, which was not invited to, but, you know, summoned mm -hmm. for, which was the exorcism. Um, and there's a comment, there's a comment made in the book where he's like, I already know what this is. And he just keeps on walking and it kind of hints that he's like enjoying like this walk and he's taking it all in. And for me, I interpreted that as he knew he was going to die. Yeah. I think deep down he knew he would run into that demon again. Mm -hmm. I agree with that, but I, I don't think Marin had was his target. I do. Well, I, I still feel like Marin was the target. Like for me, I think you know, he focused paranormal side. Uh, I mean, he's a demon. I, I don't think he cares who he's targeting. Mm -hmm. That implies that he has like specific addictiveness to a particular target. Right? I think he's more of like a bomb where he doesn't care who he takes out. He's possessed Reagan. He's, you know, uh, wants to pretty much inflict as much damage as possible and he he himself, he wants to kill this this girl, you know, and um, and almost succeeds. Um, in, he does, in fact, you know, kill Marin. Well, or Marin falls <laughs> to his own demise uh, because he, of he has pills. a heart attack. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Marin has a heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, if not for Karis, you know. The, Acting as carrier for the demon, um, and you know, taking on that and jumping out the window. Mm -hmm. You know, if not for that, then probably Reagan would have died just as quickly. You know, like I don't think. I mean, you know, the fact that Karis came in on the scene and Marin was already dead, right? Yeah. Implied, okay, if the target was Marin, then it's like yeah, the demon would have gotten what he wanted, got to Marin's soul, and then he would have left or something. I don't. I think he was just like, yeah, I, can, I could, I can kill you too. And then, uh, <laughs> I think I believe. Sorry, no, it's okay. I, mean, I just feel like, I still feel like Marin was a target. 
but I think you're right in the sense of like he didn't care who he, he didn't got. care who he took out. Yeah, and getting to him, and he still wanted to continue to take yeah Reagan out and all of that. And and, and talking on that, like we we see the deterioration of Reagan pretty mm -hmm. intense. Like we read about it more intensely in the book, where she became almost skeletal with a disintended stomach. You even see like the the word help, you know, yeah. appear on the skin yeah. and things like that. And and, and I kind of I kind of fall in the same camp is that this demon it doesn't it it's not being vindictive towards Marin. It's just like I I think and again this this is more just my speculation is that Legion the the demon because I I don't think it's Pazuzu. I think the the demon within Reagan was Legion because. Um, Again, Karis does state at one point there's multiple personalities, but and and, and Marin is so dismissive about it. He's like, no, it's Pazuzu. Like it, this is his demon. I think in the it was his white whale. It was his white whale. He was Captain Ahab hunting his white whale, but in reality, it was just the demon uh, playing on Marin's pride, uh, wanting you know to catch his white whale, and at the same time taking out Marin. Uh, Reagan, Karis, McNeil, uh, Chris McNeil, uh, just taking out that whole little household because it had already taken Burke. Um, it was already wearing down uh, Carl because Carl was already like he was at his wits end. Mm -hmm. um, Sharon, she moved out of the house into a hotel. Well, that was from way before that because she met the pilot boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, but um, but at the same time, like you know, she she was less and less in the home. Um, so pretty much the the little mini nuke was set up for just those particularly involved, you know, like heavily involved with Reagan. So the, I, I think again, it's just more like Legion just saying, you know what, fuck you, Marin. I'm gonna take you with me because you got my buddy. Not necessarily in that vindictive sense, but like you know, I, I'm gonna get you. They obviously could have been the same. Mm -hmm. That Marin failed. Just in the same way that the demon failed to kill Marin, yeah, Marin failed to kill the demon mm. as well. You know, like that's mm. and it's kind of like, you know, it's I, I, I mean, I, I definitely see a you know, demon being prideful, right? It's definitely yeah. one of the seven sins. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, the fact that he got one over and weakened possibly the demon, or even invested him. I'm not sure if he. If the possessed person died, or if it was here? No, no, no. The uh, oh, the one that married in, in in Africa. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think he. If I remember correctly, he failed. Okay, he failed, and the possessed yeah. died. So, like, that to me maybe signifies that. Yeah. I guess he he could have come back to like finish the job or something like that. And, but I mean, Aaron's like. Was already on the way out. Right? Yeah, yeah, he he's, knew. He's already kind of going. So to me, if our uh, oh, yeah, Marin died of a heart attack, but the reason I don't think he was a target to me was for uh, Karis, because in one of the instances, like uh, he's talking to the demon Regan, he was like, "I'm happy you're here because this will bring us closer together," mm -hmm. and he, in that instance, to me, he was talking about. Paris and the demon. Oh, like the, the illusion at the very end where they possess and... Yes, and to me, the demon won. Yeah. Because uh, during the struggle that, uh, between the demon and Karis, 
and Karis like, take me, take mm -hmm. me. And the demon takes the deep, because Karis had a, a necklace with a saint, uh, like a charm. And once that demon broke that, he got possessed. Yeah. And at that moment, once Karis committed suicide. Yeah. The worst sin a, a priest could do. Which. To me, that's, that's a moral, that's a moral sin in the Catholic Church, yeah. mm -hmm. and that's straight to hell. Mm. So by him being possessed by the demon, I mean suicide. That's the demon saying, "Like I got you." Well, I mean, there's also if we're, if we're looking at it like that, you know, maybe egging on Karis as part of the demon. Like, because well, Karis, hold on, like his faith was low. Right, right, but. You know, going back to the possession aspect, he's possessing a little girl. He's very innocent. He then, let's say, his end goal was to then possess Karis. Let's say that Karis is alone in the bedroom with the, the demon. He gets possessed. He maintains control. Reagan then appears fine. Mom comes into the build, to the bedroom. What does she see? She sees Harris, the hero, took over and exercised this little girl, now cured. Now the demon has possession of Harris, though. He also has unfettered access to, like, the inner workings of the Catholic Church. He's also, he can pervert the psychological welfare of other priests. He can, oh, he could even go up the ranks, yeah. he's a young guy, he could go up the ranks of the bishop, hope, become like an antichrist figure, mm. sort of thing. Like maybe that was part of his plan to get into like a religious... Religious body? Leader, yeah. you know, or, or figure. Then That's very Damien. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very yeah. omenish. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and one thing too, like, what, and this is more like, I'll pose a question as of what if, because towards the end, you know, Karis loses his shit, and he's angry. He's yeah, like, yeah. like he he throws like the whole priestliness out, and he starts choking right yeah. to death. What if he would have just accidentally snapped her neck? What then? Like in your opinion, like if he actually snapped her neck, I just, still think the demon or the would, legion would have gone into Karis. You think so? Oh yeah. I I think it would have been like the Marin where it would have been declared like false or a failed yeah. exorcism. And then the cycle will go back again. Somebody else. Years later, he's going to go for Karis. Yeah. It's like, I, because of you, I didn't get the soul. So you y'all feel like, or you, you, you know, feel maybe yeah. the would have been like, okay, I'm going to come back later. Cause he's I, like, God damn it, now I got to do this again. Because yeah. I think like uh, upon death, the demon can't hop mm. because it no longer has a physical gateway into the mortal plane. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, because like the moment that Karis dies, it's done. You know. Well, yeah, and then also it's it seems to be more you need a, some form of acceptance, like yeah. you need to allow mm. to take possession, right? Because the whole 
Ouija board thing where you know you have to open the gate, close, open close it, and, and like make sure you close it if you are yes. playing that. Yes. So and then also it, it also kind of wonders, okay, well, why, why if the demon could just hop bodies, you know, if the possessed died, then why didn't it just do that? Right? Yeah, because, why didn't it just kill? Well, them, kill demons itself? always go for the weakest one. True, but I think everybody was pretty weak. Yeah. yeah I, well, I, in that instance, yeah, uh, when you know, uh, Regan being a child, easy to persuade him. More vulnerable. And in the instance of Karis, he he just lost his faith at that moment. He he is like, you throw out the book, you can say like he just didn't believe in the church anymore. Yeah. So that demon could think you know that batch of that and, and and this is where we look to like look to demonology and things like that that like most demons have to follow a set code of rules in order to uh, obtain possession things like that and like james said you know you, there has to be a level of like i willingly invite you in because without the the ability to you know because again if we we talk about like body hopping um then what was what was uh pazuzu what was stopping pazuzu or legion or whoever the demon was just jumping into Father Marin and being like, my job is done. And again, you know, moving back towards and jumping from Marin to like a deacon, then to the bishop, to the well, archbishop. I believe Father Marin was, had a stronger faith than Karis. Yeah, yeah, but mm -hmm. in, in that same sense, you know, like um, even the strongest of wills can be broken. Mm. And, and at that point, like Marin was already on his deathbed. So even, even if he accepted his death, there could have been that split moment of like, oh, no, you know, and then, mm -hmm. you know, that disbelief. So, and, and again, this mm. is... I don't think that he, that was his character, like, in his character, just give up like that. Marin's? Yeah. No. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't think, I think he probably would be. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I believe that. that was his purpose. You mentioned they have well. Yeah, yeah. And, like, touching on that, I think that's also why, like, the archdiocese were like, okay, but we need to go get Marin. Mm -hmm. also, you know. Yeah, because they they like they could see in Paris, like yeah, he just phoned in and then went out. Yeah. Oh well, yeah, I, I think so. I I don't know. I I felt like genuine, almost uh, academic, excitement, right? Boyish sort of curiosity and wanting to get that recognition of mm -hmm. priests. Modern day, it was successfully performed an exorcism or something like that. The prideful, like yeah, yeah, yeah. and then also think of you know he's he's this kind of uh, uh, case. I don't know how else to describe it, but like you know, it, it really spurred something. He's poring over these textbooks, he's reading all these things. It gave him purpose. Yeah, it, it's it's. Uh, I don't know if it even yeah, he. If anything, it brought. I thought it brought this questioning, questioning because it almost seemed like he was fighting to uh, explain it all away. Right? Yeah. It was like this. This feels like. I mean, and at the same time, I think we can also uh, touch on that. Like, he's also trying to avoid his own grief from the loss of his mother. Mm -hmm. But I mean, and that's you know a different thought uh, on top of everything. Like you said, I mean, it, it's that boyish idea. At the same time, he's running away from his own personal grief, tossing himself into this whole exorcism and wanting to you know 
I guess, in the long run, make his mother proud. You know, and again, this is more like subjective uh, thoughts on my my point. You know, just kind of going on the points that we've been talking about. That maybe he was just trying to run away from his grief, and instead he threw himself into his work, even though he has no more faith. But at the same time, like by be doing the modern day exorcism, he can be like he he has some form of recognition and kind of quote unquote redeems himself in his own eyes because he failed his mother. Well I I wanna kinda of also bring that if he had lack of faith then why did he ask the because that's I think almost... it, like it, at the end he did believe that she was possessed. Okay. I mean, that just to me sounds like he, if you believe in that aspect, then you also you, know, you can't have like, the choosy side, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. If, if you're all in and you're like, "Demon, take me now," mm -hmm. let this little girl go. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like he's resigned his scientific mind, and he's almost like not questioning. This is kind of my last mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, and, and resigning to faith and then taking in that evil mm -hmm. quote unquote and knowing like knowing it, having that forethought or something to then throw himself out the window is it's like I don't think that was a forethought I think that was just his last option well he he like, it, it, I guess it would be a forethought because, like, he would have to physically resist it or spiritually, physically, mentally resist the demon just enough to toss himself out that way. Well, he, he was, like, young, like a young adult, stronger uh, than a 12-year-old girl, and she was I don't think, real he, was, I don't so, think he was a young adult. He was, like, in his... He was in his 40s. Yeah. yeah. But do you think Father Karras threw himself out the window, or do you think the demon... Avru wanted to kill Harris by throwing him out. That's a very good question. That's a good question, and I think that's... And, and that's more like, I guess, open to interpretation. Yeah, I was going to say, that's very open to interpretation. I, I feel like... When he was saying, take me, I feel like there was a spiritual struggle. I kind of... Like, I kind of feel like it was an accident him going out the window. I don't think they, you know what I mean? But I, I'm i not surprised he did go out the window yeah. because that's also a very, it, it, I think it was just a very violent struggle. Yeah, and, and I, I kind of, on the same time, Gracie, I think his death was accidental. I think in the moment that he got possessed, the, you know, the spiritual struggle happens. He's stepping back, you know. Right. right you know, uh, there's a body on the floor, you know, and he, he could have just tripped and fell out the window. Mm -hmm. I, I, they, I don't think now, they mention anything in the book that he tripped. I I, I mean, I think it, even with Burke, they mentioned that there's there's quite a substantial gap in the street yeah. between the house and the stairwell, oh, okay. right? So, like, somebody has to be thrown out, right? It's, it's jumped, not or thrown, jumped, yeah. right? Um, so, like, I, I don't really get the, the impression 
yeah. accidental. Accidental. You felt like it was intentional. No, See, I, I think it was kind of the last ditch efforts itself, where felt the demon or the possession. Mm-hmm. He absorbed this evil from this mm-hmm. child, and uh, on you know the momentary control that he had in the after possession and it's like he made the conscious decision that like so nothing like, can kill this like yeah. we've already expended all of our options this is kind yeah. of our last resort and that to, to at least take yeah. the demon back to where it came that's true yeah. i can definitely see that like yeah. it was his ultimate sacrifice and to be like out the window this is also another thing like they touch more in the movie because you know you can visually see it mm. like in, in the movies like the last split seconds they show the face of the demon yeah like while while Reagan's being in the hospital or Chris is in the kitchen, they like blink is just a face. Yeah. Well, you can see the reflection of the metal from time to time. Yeah. Yes, and when the hypnotist is hypnotizing Reagan, and you see half the face is demon, and on that scene, like this is one of the reasons that I believe like the movie was better than the book. <laughs> Actually, I do, and. Uh, in that scene, when he is possessed, he's looking at the window, he sees his mother's face. Mm-hmm. So in a way, it's like, okay, I'm doing the right thing by jumping at the window. Yeah. Even right. though he'll damn him for it. But what, at that point, was it, like, yes, it was a suicide, but what, is that something that can be forgiven because of what mm. he was trying to do. That church does not forgive yeah. him. No, that's true. Like he, But I'm talking about like spiritually, like was he damned to hell or was did he still be, allowed or in, in heaven? In that case, like because, did he become a martyr or did he not? Right, because mm. he sacred, like if, yeah. if he caught, like, and I can definitely see where he consciously like, I need to jump out the window because this is, this legion is so strong that yeah. it, there's no, you know, so like, Absolutely, like the church, like the Catholic Church will not move on that. But yeah. now I'm like, okay, but in the spiritual like God's sense, right. eyes, did he see a sacrifice or is he still going to hell? Yeah. And yeah. you know, they, they really, if we can touch on that too, <laughs> if this was something that yeah. was done, like, and this is probably just obviously this is my mind going. I, I think he probably did. His yeah. body was a carrier. And- you know, his soul might have been corrupted yeah. by the demon at that point. And the faith was still yeah, the not faith 100%, was still yeah. you know. So, yeah. like, at that point, you know, I, I would ask God to just say, you like, you know, <laughs> good on you, you, you did a good thing, but, yeah. uh, no, yeah, sorry, it still, but it was still a suicide. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 I, I, that's God. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and with that note, so final final question of the evening, as we close it up, um, what would you rate, rate the book from uh, one to a ten? We'll start with George. I'll give it an eight. Eight. Yeah. Okay. Pros and cons. Uh, it, to me, it was a great book. Uh, I like the scientific aspect, but same time, kind of hated it mm-hmm. because it got a little bit too wordy. Okay. I like. I get it. Move on, please. Where is it? Seven. Just be. This is one of the few where I liked the movie better than the book. Again, again, I am glad that they 
explored a sci every scientific aspect that they could. Again, like like George said, he it just it was a lot. Yeah. And um, is it something I would come back and read again? Absolutely. You know, maybe in about five years or so, I would be like, yeah, let me pick that up again. Kind of like with a different different. Uh, yeah. like, now that I've read it initially, let me go back and see what I what I think of it. Um, but yeah, like I definitely don't regret reading this. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I don't read a whole lot of books. I don't know if I can probably grade it, but I, I thought it was like... I'm trying to think of some detractors where I wasn't really immersed. I, I would say maybe like a, a nine, uh, okay. I guess. You know, I, I, I put it high up there because, you know, I, I guess just my own mind is... And yeah. analytical itself so like um and i love the movie as well i think they actually complement it pretty well because the movie is I, I, after i read the book i was like Fair, well listen to the yeah book. uh the movie was like amazing to me because he managed to cram so much detail from the book into it, right mm -hmm. and if anything i think that the movie itself uh is almost uh too quickly paced because of it, so it's a bit detrimental to the the, the assumption of the movie, right? Mm -hmm. So like, but um, it's still an amazing feat, and I really actually like it even more after reading hearing the book. So um, yeah, I, I put it right up there. You know, it's like a perfect other side of the coin. You know, it's a gangs yeah. to the movie. Yeah, um, personally, I, I give it a nine as well because. Again, you, you get to see more of the characters. They're a little bit more, you know, they're fleshed out. And again, uh, just like James, my brain thinks on the 100% of like, well, what about this, this, and this, and this? Especially especially when it came to like, re like in the film, we just explored nothing but the fantastical side of it. But in the book, we get to the more clinical side of it. Mm -hmm. And and that's kind of like the Exorcism of Melanie Rose and Dominion. Which are the same film, but just told through the two different points of view. One through the spiritual and one through the fantastic. So, yeah, I, I give it a solid nine because, again, uh, to me, it was fascinating to see just the medical side of it and the whole thought process behind it. But uh, we'll conclude our episode for the evening. And so next month, we'll be, we'll be uh, reading um, A Roadside Picnic. It's a dystopian novel, and we'll come back with our own thoughts and process behind that. So, everybody, get soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.